Let's give a massive round of applause for our amazing band. It's great to have them, isn't it? Such talent that we have in this place. Hey, good morning. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at FBC. It's great to be with you as we carry on our series called Out of the Shallows. For three weeks at the start of the year, we're looking at how do we find the depths when it comes to our faith. The stuff that that song was talking about, that, that we want to dive in at the deep end, that we want to be far from the shallows. Uh, and you can track along with this at fbcnext.com. If you weren't here last week, um, you can go back, you can um, listen to the, the talk. There's some discussion questions as well. So some of the connect groups are tracking along with it as well. Um, if you're not in a group, well, get in a group. <laughs> you know, that would be a great thing to do. Um, but you can download that stuff, use it for yourself as well, just to remind yourself of some of the things um, that we are doing. And it's all about how do we find the depths when it comes um, to our relationship with Jesus? How do we find what deep looks like um, when it comes to uh, that engagement in spirituality? And it, this is relevant for whoever we are, wherever we are on our spectrum of faith. So we're right, right down here um, and we feel, you know, actually, I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus? Is God real or not? Does, does, you know, is Jesus real? Uh, and we're trying to explore that, but actually, you know, we're, we're curious um, and we want to check that out for ourselves. We don't just want to take somebody else's word um, for it. The stuff that we're looking at this series is, is relevant to you if you're at this phase of life. Alpha is a great way to actually check out a little bit more about what Christianity is all about, who Jesus really is, and what difference does that make for your life. So if that's where you find yourself, the stuff we're looking at throughout this series is still massively relevant for you. But maybe you you're a bit further on and, and you're, you're a hungry novice. You've been a Christian for a, for a little while and you realise, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I just want to, I'm not there anymore, but I'm not there. You know, I want to go deeper. Maybe you even have someone in, your, in mind who you think, yeah, I'd love my faith to be like them. The stuff that we're going to look at is massively relevant to you as well. But maybe you're further on. Maybe you've been a Christian for many years. You're a restless veteran and you look back and you know what it means to grow. You know what it means to go deep. But maybe the best years are behind you when it comes to your faith. Maybe you look back at some of the things that you did and some of the encounters and experience that you've had of Jesus in the past and they were wonderful but now your faith is plateaued, you're flatlining and you're thinking I'm hungry for more, I don't want to stay here, I don't want to go back but I want to push on to find new depths for what God has for me. Well the stuff that we're looking at in this series is relevant to you wherever you are um, on that spectrum and what we talked about last week which might have been news for some of us is that the depths, finding the debts is not the church's job. It's our job. That we need to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. That we need to take responsibility um, for actually finding um, those depths and looking after ourselves. That we can't rely on somebody else. And we realise that you know we live in a, a do it for me culture. We need to do it ourselves. Uh, and you know there's loads of things in the world today where we get other people to do it for us. Talked about um, pre-sliced apples last week. Anybody brought pre-sliced apples this week? Anybody going to the supermarket and thought, oh, oh no, feel guilty about buying pre-sliced apples? You know, sometimes we look at our faith like pre-sliced apples. You know, it's not that hard to slice apples, but we want somebody to do it for us. It's the same with our faith, yeah, that we want somebody or we expect somebody to help us experience these depths and that we can only do it for ourselves. And if you're wondering, what does deep actually look like when it comes to faith? Well, this is what it looks like. It's a growing love for God shown through a growing love for others. You know, when you look at the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did, he clearly shows that actually I'm calling you out of the shell 
shallows into the depths. I'm calling you to love your Heavenly Father. And love for our Heavenly Father looks like love for one another. That actually we, we don't look to our own interests, but we look to the interests of others. And we allow God to be at work in us and through us so that we can love other people. And the thing that we looked at last week, there's, there's three principles about how we can find the depths. And the first principle is the shallows can be bottle-fed, but the depths need to be self-fed. You know, if all you want to do is come and have somebody spoon-feed you and give you all the information and all the knowledge and all the stuff that you want in order to grow in your relationship with God, well, you can do that, but you will stay in the shallows. You will never experience the depths. That If you want to go deep with God, you have to feed yourself. And feeding ourselves, there's so many ways we can do that, you know, accessing books and sermons. And, and videos and podcasts, but that's, that's part of it. That's not totally what I mean, because all of that information is secondhand. That's all somebody else's way that they've connected with God and they've heard from God and, and just passing on to you. You know, God invites us to the source. He invites us to come to him and hear from him um, direct. So we've got to start reading the Bible for ourselves or continue reading the Bible for ourselves. And we've got to continue applying that self, uh, that stuff that we discover there to our lives. We've got to come before God and seek God for our ourselves. And when we do that, we discover what deep looks like. So we started a thing um, last Sunday, 21 Days of Deep. Many of you are tracking along with that. Um, so every morning you're getting an email. I'm getting up very early in the morning at you know, 5 to 6 to send you an email so it lands there ready for uh, you. Uh, and it's got a passage of scripture and some things that actually help you not just read it, but allow it to filter through. If you've not signed up for that, you can still do that. Go to um, fbcnext.com deep and just put the details in. Uh, you can download all of the stuff so you can catch up on the seven days that you've missed. But every morning you'll get that stuff um, landing into you. So that's what you know, we looked at already. We want to carry on with that this morning and look at this next principle that we need um, in order uh, to go deep. And you know, we're at the start of the year and a start of a time when many people set goals and dreams and ambitions for what it is that they want to do this year. And I'm sure many of us, let's be honest, who has set a goal um, that they want to eat less? or lose weight or get healthier this year. Anybody done that? I, I've done that. I uh, stood on the scales at the start of the year and they went, get off, get off, get off, and they broke and I had to buy some new scales. Not quite. Uh, but I stood on the scales and I was like, oh my word, I've literally never been this heavy in my life before. Uh, and so I wasn't content with that and I realised, you know, I need to do something about that. And I know exactly how I got into that situation because I spent for, for a long time, or like for all of December and maybe the whole of the year, sitting here. You know, sitting on the sofa, watching TV, big bowl of crisps and just tucking into those things. And I sit there and I just consume all of those calories. And you know what? That's lovely. Who likes to do this? Who likes just to, I might just stay here for the rest of the morning like that and just, you know, flick the channels and those sort of stuff. And I live my life, life here. Now, now, I know what I need to do. And if you find yourself in that situation that you're thinking, you know what, I'm a little bit overweight or, or I'm not as fit as, as I want to be. I remember when I was younger, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted and I was still, you know, never put on weight. Matt, who was in the band just now, is a bit like that. Don't you hate people like that? Matt's getting married this year, so that will change, won't it? You know, I could eat whatever I wanted and nothing. Now, I just look at a biscuit and I have to buy larger T-shirts. It's just so unfair. And I used to not have to exercise at all, and I could still run for miles without breaking a sweat. Now, I get out of breath walking upstairs. I mean, age does this horrible thing uh, to you. And I got to a point, I think, you know, I need to do something about
about this, and I know what I need to do. We all know what we need to do in situations uh, like that. You know, our calories in, out needs to be greater than our calories in. You know, if all we do is sit on a sofa, you know, watching TV, eating crisps, we know we're just going to consume and consume and consume. We know what we need to do. The thing that's getting in the way of us actually f- making ourselves healthier and fitter isn't a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of action. We know that at some point we've got to get off the sofa and we've got to pick up some weights and we've got to start working out. We've got to go for a run. We've got to do some exercise. We've got to start burning some of those calories that we've done. I've got to put these down because I'm going to do myself a mischief, uh, those stuff. Now, we know that to be true. The thing that stops us from getting healthy, the thing that stops us from losing weight, the thing that stops us from getting fitter is not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of action. Now, if we know that's true physically, what about spiritually. You know, we know this is true. We know that if we consume more than we burn out when it comes to calories and on our physical world, what about our spiritual world? You know, if we know what we need to do, if we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're not content uh, with with what we see, we want to fix that, we want to get healthier, we want to get slimmer, whatever it is, what do we do when we look at ourselves in the mirror spiritually and we're not content with where we are? What do we do when we realise that we're in the shallows and actually we want to experience the depths, that we want to dive in to the deep end? Well, that's what we're going to look at throughout this series, and that's what we're looking at um, this morning. And the part of the problem is that sometimes when we think about that, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not where I want to be spiritually, so what do I do? Well, we naturally think, well, what I need to do is I need to consume more. You know, I need to read more books. I need to listen to more talks. I need to um, watch more Christian videos. I need to download more podcasts. I need to listen to more worship songs. And all that stuff is brilliant, and all that stuff is great. But basically, that stuff is a little bit like this. It's a little bit like sitting on the sofa and consuming. And yet, you might be consuming healthy snacks. You might be consuming good stuff. You might not have the big bowl of Pringles or whatever it is, but it's still calories in. Calories in is really important. But if that's all we do, if our spiritual journey is only the stuff we take in, it will not be enough in order for us to experience the depths. And I know last week that I said what we need to do is feed ourselves, we need to take those calories in, that is so crucial, that's so important, but if that's all we do, it won't be enough for us to experience the depths that God has for us. If all you do is consume, no matter how good it is, the thing that you're consuming, it won't be enough for you to experience the depths that God has for you. So we're going to look at principle two today, that takes on, well, I can take those calories in. What do I do with them in order to find those depths? And to do that, I want us to explore some words that Paul wrote to a church um, in a place called Philippi. Just excuse me for a moment. Philippi um, was a little bit different from some of the places that we read about um, in the Bible. It was a very secular um, context, so um, it didn't have a Jewish tradition or, or Jewish heritage. It had a, um, a polytheistic, um, people you know, believed in many gods, and there's many cultures and many traditions um, in there. And Paul goes there, and he tells the people of Philippi about who Jesus is. Paul was one of the leaders in the church, and he wasn't always um, a follower of Jesus. In fact, um, he hated Christians. You know, he persecuted Christians. He oversaw the execution of Christians. It was his life's mission to stop the expansion of the church, to stop this new movement called the Way. And actually, on a journey where he was going to stop Christianity spreading, um, he had this amazing life-transforming encounter with Jesus. This is after Jesus had been crucified, after Jesus had resurrected, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, that Jesus met him on this road, and his life was transformed. And Paul goes from a persecutor of the church to a builder, 
of the church. And he's in Philippi, or he's been to Philippi, and he's shared with them about who Jesus is. Um, and as Paul does, he goes over and he, he goes to other places, and he writes letters back to these churches that he's planted, encouraging them and instructing them. And this letter, um, which we call Philippians, because it's to the church and the people in Philippi, um, is all about, you know, how do you experience the depths when it comes to your spirituality in a secular world? When you live in a context where the majority of the people around you do not believe what you believe, don't subscribe to what you subscribe. You know, it's massively relevant to the culture that we find ourselves in. So let's dive in and see what Paul has to say to us. So Paul starts off, so in, in chapter 2, verse 13, he says, for it's God who works in you. Now this is an important thing to recognize because Paul is saying, you know, God is the one who's at work in you. And when God works in you, that, that's the transformed life that I was talking about. You know, Paul's life has been transformed because God has been at work in him. And God works in us to bring out our lives hope and meaning. I, I look at myself and, and I realize that, you know, God has been at work in my life and he has transformed my life. That God has worked in, in me and transformed me from the inside out. That God has given my life a sense of hope and meaning and purpose, a sense of destiny. God has given me an identity that I couldn't find, I couldn't achieve anywhere else. It's God who's at work um, in us. You know, we often say that Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. That he's in us and he's working within us. That it's God who transforms us. And, and Paul knows what this is about because Paul has experienced this transformation. Why? Well, because God has been at work in him. So it's God who works in you to will and to act. Let me pause there um, again. You know, God is at work within us, whoever we are, whatever we think, whatever we believe, wherever we are on the spectrum of faith. You know, even if we don't even believe God exists, God is at work in us and God longs to work in us, to will and to act. You know, he wants to work, you know, to will our mind, help us about what we think and what, what we say, uh, acts, you know, what we do. You know, that God is at work in us to will and to act so that we can consciously act out the things that God is doing in us. Let's carry on. In order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me just read that again. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's not skip over that too quickly. You know, that God is at work in you and God longs to be at work in you so that you can consciously, consciously act out what he's doing and when you do that, you fulfill his good purpose. That actually God says, look, I want to transform your life, but I want you to be part of that. You know, that God is at work in us and God uses us to be part of his good purpose, not only for our lives, but for the lives of the whole world. That God is at work in us and he wants us to be part of that work that he's doing, not only so that we can be transformed, but so that our families and our friends and our colleagues and our classmates and our neighbours, so that the people we come into contact with can be transformed by God being at work in us. And it's really important that we recognise that this transformation is only by God. You know, we would be foolish to think that we could achieve that elsewhere, that no matter, you know, we could work hard enough or we could read more stuff or we could earn something or we could do something that we would experience that transformation. No, it doesn't work like that. It only happens because God is at work in us. But we'd also be foolish to think that, well, because it's God who's at work in us and because it's God who does all that thing, that means I don't have to do anything. I could just sit down and I can just put my feet up and wait for God to do 
what he's going to do because it's God who does it. No, he doesn't. That's not how it works either. He calls us to be part of that, that God works in us to will and act so that we can fulfill his good purpose. Let me go back um, a verse, and hopefully this will give us a little bit more context of what Paul is trying to say here. See, Paul says, therefore, to begin with. Now, Paul uses this word quite a lot. And whenever you come across the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself a simple question. What is it therefore? You know, just read back what happens before. And normally it's because of the stuff that precedes that Paul says, look, I've talked about this in the, the opening chapters. Now, this is the key point. You know, all of this stuff that I've said, this is how this plays out. And what's just preceded this is this amazing poetic image of the attitude and humility of Jesus at the beginning of chapter two. I really encourage you to go and read that for yourself. And Paul says, look, your attitude should be like that of Jesus. You should live the way that Jesus lives. You should think like Jesus thinks. And he paints this amazing image, and it's massively inspiring, but massively challenging as well, because Paul's saying, look, this is Jesus. This is how you are to live. And therefore, you know, because if you're going to try and live like Jesus, this is what it looks like. So therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, you know, not only when I was with you, but now much more in my absence. See, Paul's not with them because Paul's in prison. He is a captive. He's been arrested for um, telling people about Jesus, for proclaiming the truth about who Jesus is. And so he wants to write to them this letter of encouragement, this letter of instruction, helping them stay on that path, to go deep when it comes to their faith. Now, and Paul hopes that he'll be released, and he believes that he will do, but he also, in this letter, elucidates that, you know, I might not. You know, this might be the end uh, for me. I want you to do well. I want to encourage you um, and instruct you in this. So therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's, so Paul's writing this letter. He's in prison. He's told them, I want you to be like Jesus. And this is how, what it looks like. I want you to work out your salvation. Now, I wonder what image you get in your mind when you see this word, work out your salvation. Now, when I uh, read that or first read it, I, I would often picture the scene of somebody sitting trying to ponder something, trying to solve a problem, you know, a complex equation. How do, how do I solve this? You know, what does it mean to work out your, your salvation? Well, you know, so I've got this problem at work, or I've got this challenge with my family, and, you know, how do I do that? How do I live out my life? And it's this sort of um, example of sitting down and trying to solve a problem, trying to think out. And that's not what Paul is saying there. You know, the word that Paul uses here to talk about work out your salvation isn't about trying to process, isn't a cerebral thing, it's not trying to solve a problem, it's this. It's an active word. That whenever you see this word um, in the New Testament, it's always about action. So Paul says, I want you to work. I don't want you to sit there and ponder. That's not what working out your faith means. Working out your faith means picking up some weights and actually doing something. It's about actually living differently. Now Paul says, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and tremble. Trembling. What he's saying is in order for us to grow, we have to work out what God is working in. We have to work out what God is working in. And what we're doing right now is, is, is like we're sitting down here and it's calories in. And that's all good because it's good to take calories in. And we need to take calories in. And when we you know, read a book or listen to a podcast um, or whatever it is, listen to worship songs, whatever it is, it, that's calories in. That, that's really good. But if all you do is take calories in, what happens to you? Well, I'm a living example of what happens to you when, if all you do is take calories in. You just, you get a bit overweight, don't you? And I wonder, are you in danger 
of becoming spiritually obese. Uh, is your life and your faith in danger of just sitting on a sofa and consuming and consuming and consuming? And actually you realize, that's all good, but I need to get up and I need to pick up some spiritual weights. I don't need to start exercising my faith. We'll talk about what that means um, in just a moment. And if we're really, because we need both of these, you know, we need calories in, but we need calories out. And if all we're doing is taking calories in, we just become spiritually fat. Now, I know that's a little bit insulting. You know, last week I told you to act your age. This week I'm calling you fat. Who's coming back next week for round three of Chris insults the whole church? If we're really honest at this, where's your challenge when it comes to going deep? Is it stuff that God is working in, or is it the stuff that you're working out? I imagine, if we're really honest, it's this. Because we have plenty of opportunity for God to work stuff in, and that's really important. But actually, where it comes unstuck is we don't live out our faith. We don't actually get up off the sofa and exercise our spiritual uh, muscles. No, Paul is saying, I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to live out your life like Jesus would if he was in your situation. And then he gives a really practical and simple example of what this looks like. And often, when we engage with some of this stuff... um, the things that we find is actually it's really simple. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's just really difficult to do. This is another one of those really simple uh, examples. Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing. It's God who works in you in order to will and act. Uh, and then he follows on from that. Do everything without complaining or arguing. How are you getting on with that? How are you getting on with that? You know, this is so, it's not difficult, it's not complicated, is it, to understand uh, what this means. Paul says, do you want to know what deep looks like? Do you want to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? This is what it looks like. I want you to do everything without complaining or arguing. You know, for many of us, the thing that is getting in the way of us experiencing the depths is not a lack of knowledge. We know what it is that we need. It's a lack of action. We're not living out. We're not doing it. And actually, we come across verses like this, and then we, we want to make it a little bit more complicated, because sure. Surely Paul doesn't mean do everything without complaining or arguing. Because Paul, if he was in our world, he wouldn't do that. Because Paul has never had to um, empty a dishwasher when it wasn't his turn to empty a dishwasher. Because that surely fits into the category of complaining and arguing. I did it yesterday, and it's somebody else's turn. So it's there, and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it with complaining and arguing. So what we do is we change the everything to do most things. What Paul really meant is do most things without complaining or arguing. But then we think, well, did Paul really mean that? Because... Has Paul ever had to go and visit his mother-in-law and those sort of things? So Paul, Paul says, do some things without complaining. That's what Paul really, he doesn't mean do everything. He means, he means do, no, he means do some things. Do you know what? I don't even think Paul meant that, if I'm really honest. Paul doesn't mean that, does he? That's still too difficult. What Paul meant is do one thing without complaining or arguing. But the more I think about that, actually, what I really think, if you were to look at my life and if I was to live this out, what Paul probably said is, do everything with complaining and arguing. I mean, that's probably a better reflection of who we are and what we do. You know, this instruction is really simple. It's not complicated. We don't need more knowledge in order to do it. We just need to do it. There's something that's getting uh, in the way of it. And what we want to do is spend ages talking about, well, what does Paul mean and what does Paul think? And Paul's saying, oh, I just want you to stop complaining and I want you to stop arguing. Do you want to know what deep looks like for a follower of Jesus? It's this, do everything, everything, do everything without complaining or arguing. If you want to find what deep looks like, just do that. 
Go away and do that. And when you've solved that, when you've done that for a whole week, without not done, you've done everything without complaining or arguing, come back and then we'll give you the next thing to do. I imagine that's what Paul perhaps was thinking. It's not rocket science. Get on with this. And then when you've done that, we will find something else. Uh, but the problem is we don't like to do that because that is really challenging. So we try and find depth um, in other ways. Now, why does Paul say this? Why does he think about complaining or arguing? Well, because this is obviously a relevant thing for the people that he's writing to. There's many things that Paul could say. There's many examples of what it looks like to love other people. How do we love God through our love for other people? There's tons of stuff. So why does Paul fixate on this? Well, I think because the church in Philippi did lots of things with complaining and arguing. If you read on through the letter, you see, he tells them, stop moaning, stop disagreeing with one another, get on uh, with one another. But also remember the culture and context in which they exist. You know, they live in a secular society. The people around them, don't agree with what they agree with. The people around them don't believe what they believe in. The people around them don't have the same values that they have. And Paul says, I want you to live in that world and I want you to live in that culture and I want you to set an example. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Show them the grace and the love and the hope and the truth and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. Just imagine if you did that at work this week, that you did stuff and actually the dishwasher, this is the thing for us upstairs, the dishwasher is always full and then nobody empties it. You know, and we do it and we do it and we let everybody know that we do it. Just imagine it if we went throughout our work lives without complaining or arguing. We just got on and did the things that we were asked to do. Would people see something different in us? Would that give them a glimpse of who Jesus is? And the challenge is we think, well, I can't do that because that just makes me a doormat. People will walk all over me. And Paul says, you know, I don't want you to be a doormat. I want you to be a bridge. I want you to let people walk over you towards Jesus. Not walk all over you, but I want you to be a bridge that helps people cross you and actually be introduced to who Jesus is. See, when we do that, when we live in a secular world and a secular society and we live out the principles of who Jesus is, when we love people before we love ourselves, when we do everything without complaining or arguing, the result is that we become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Paul says, look, when you do this, you will be different. You will be distinctive. You will stand out. And yes, I know everybody's doing this and everybody's living like that. And I know the temptation is for you just to go along with what everybody else is doing. I know the temptation for you is just to subscribe to the whole set of values and systems and life, way of doing life that everybody else in the world around you is doing, to chase after the same things that everybody is chasing after. But Paul says, no, I want you to live differently. I want you to be different. And when you are different, when you, allow, when you work out your faith, when you actually exercise and live out the things that God is saying to you, you shine like stars in the sky. Not so you can look down on people, but so that you can point people to Jesus. Stars in this context were a navigation tool. You know, people navigated by them. And that's what Paul's saying. I want you to be different. I want you to stand out. I want you to shine. Not so that you make a name for yourself. Not so that you bring glory to yourself. But so that people can see your heavenly Father through you. So that people can be introduced. See a glimpse of the love and the grace and the mercy and the compassion that Jesus has for you. This is the challenge that Paul has given um, to his readers. It's a challenge that Paul is giving to us. And then he sets two examples of what this looks like. And I encourage you to read on you know, into chapter 3. He talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus, um, two people who um, got off the sofa when it came to their spiritual life. 
Two people who weren't content just to sit and consume, but picked up some weights. You know, two people who journeyed with him. Epaphroditus actually was from Philippi. And uh, when they heard that Paul was in prison, he went on this treacherous journey to meet him and, you know, give food to him and, and meet his needs and all of those sort of stuff. And he almost died as a result of that. I'm not sure what happened, whether he got really sick or, or, or something, but, you know, he put his life on the line. And Paul commends him and says, you know, you want to know what deep looks like? It looks like Timothy. You want to know what deep looks like? It looks like Epaphroditus. These were people who weren't just content with looking after their own interest, but they looked to the interest of others. They weren't content with just sitting on the sofa spiritually and allowing people to spoon feed them or to consume. They wanted to get up and they wanted to pick up some weights and they wanted to do something with what God had done. You know, if you want to grow deep in your faith, get off the sofa. Pick up some weights. Act on your faith. If you want to go deep on your faith, if you want to get out of the shallows and dive in at the deep end, invite someone to Alpha. Invite someone to come um, to church on a Sunday with you. You know, that is acting on your faith. If you want to experience the depths um, in your faith, um, go and volunteer in our kids or youth stuff. Actually, be around a bunch of kids and try and encourage them and entertain them and show them the love of Jesus. Help them see how Jesus is, Jesus is relevant for their lives. Journey along a bunch of teenagers who are struggling with everything that life throws at you as a teenager and show them the love and the compassion and the grace and the mercy of who Jesus is. You know, if you want to go in the deep end, you you've got to get off the sofa. You know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone and actually dive in. You've got to pick up weights. How many of the metaphors can I use to get lost uh, in this whole analogy? If you want to find the depths, if you want to experience the deep end, you've got to work out what God is working in. You know, what is God working in? What is the stuff that God is challenging you on? What is the, God, the stuff that God is prompting you on? What, what are the attitudes that you have in your life or in your heart that God is saying, you know, I want you to change that. I want you to work on that. You know, you get too cross all the time or you're too self-centered um, or, or whatever it is. You, know, that you don't have enough patience or enough compassion for people. What is the thing that God is putting his finger on your, on your, in your life? You know, that's calories in. You're sitting there and he's telling you this stuff. Calories out is actually living that out, doing everything without complaining um, or arguing. You know, work out what God is working in. The other day, I went for a run. I'm not going to do that again. And uh, I am, um, afterwards, I was almost dead, and I burnt off enough calories to eat half a rich tea biscuit. How depressing is that? The problem is, I didn't just eat half a rich tea biscuit. Um, I ate lots and lots and lots because, I don't know if you've noticed this, you know, when you exercise or when you start exercising, you get really hungry. And I consumed and I consumed and I consumed. And I just thought that was a wonderful image of what it is that Paul is talking about here, about what God is doing, that when we work out our faith, it creates a hunger and a desire for God like nothing else. When we work out our faith, it creates an appetite appetite for God like nothing else. And often we think that what we need to do is consume and consume and consume, and then we will have taken enough calories in so that we can start working out our faith. It's the wrong way around. 
Folks, if you're sitting there thinking, I'll start doing that, Chris. I'll invite a friend when I get to this level, or I'll serve in a kids' or youth area, or in the worship band, or AV, or welcome team, or wherever it is, or even beyond FBC, getting involved in your school, or in your neighborhood, whatever it is. I'll do that, Chris, but when I hit this level, I just don't have enough questions. You know, I'll, I'll sign up to lead a connect group, um, but I need to have all the answers first, because I've got all these questions, and I don't know how to answer that. If you're waiting to take all the calories in before you start burning them out, you'll just become spiritually fat. You'll become spiritually obese and you will never pick up these weights. And we all know that's true physically. You know, after you've eaten it, you're going to go home and some of you might have a big Sunday roast. I'm jealous because we only ever have sandwiches on a Sunday. That's a cue for you to invite me around for dinner. Uh, And you do that. Who thinks after they've done that, I want to go for a run? Nobody thinks that. You just want to sit on the sofa and veg a little bit more. We've got it the wrong way around, folks. We need to get off the sofa and start exercising our faith, and that will create a hunger and a desire for God like nothing else. But the thing about this exercise thing as well is quickly you stop having that hunger after doing it. Why? Well, because what was difficult now becomes easy. My comfort zone used to be there, but it's shifted to here. And maybe that's where you are. You're you're exercising your faith. You're picking up your weights, but you are slap banging your comfort zone. And you're still thinking, I'm not finding those depths. And it's not creating a hunger or a desire for God. It's simply because you are still in your comfort zone and you need to take another step. What is that for you? What does deep look like for you? What does exercising your faith look like for you? What does picking up some spiritual weights look like for you? Whoever you are, wherever you're on this journey of faith, it's different for every single one of us. And when we start doing it, we just need to increase the weights and increase the weights and increase the weights. And I know I might get lost in the metaphor. But the challenge, I think, for many of us, and the challenge definitely for me, is I spent too long sitting down there. And God says, if you want to find the depth, they're not found on the sofa. Pick up some weights and work out what God is working in. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much that you long for us to experience the depth. I thank you so much that you are not content for us to stay in the shadow but you call us out to deep water in you. Lord, will you forgive us for those times when we thought that's someone else's job? Will you forgive us for those times when we've been too lazy or we've put other priorities in the way of us swimming in the deep waters that you have for us? I pray that this year will be a year where we see transformation in our lives that no other. I pray that this year will be a year that we see transformation in the lives of our family and our friends and our workplace and our church and our community like none before. Not because somebody else has done it, but because you've called us out of our comfort zones to pick up some weight and start burning what you have put in. Lord, create a hunger and a desire in us for you like never before. Bless us, Lord, I pray. Amen.